0: Good morning. It's so good to see everyone here today. It is good for me to be back up here. At least I feel that way. I don't know if you do or not. Uh, As I think about it, you know, in reality, I haven't missed a Sunday in preaching. Uh, We uh, uh, agreed to swap. Connor and I agreed to swap after I figured out that I was going to have surgery. Uh, He agreed to take the first Sunday, and I would take the fourth Sunday. He would normally be preaching today, it worked out well for both of us, number one, for my foot. Number two, Connor is on his way to Mobile uh, because of the death of a close family friend. And so keep him in your prayers as he travels and goes for that. The other two Sundays with Justin Maynard and also with Ron and Don had been planned long before I even knew that I would have surgery, so it seems like I've been out up here for a long time, but in reality, we were about on schedule for what we had planned for this year anyway. Have your Bible turn to the book of Luke, chapter number 18, Luke chapter 18. We'll be studying from that passage this morning. As we look at it this morning, I want to understand, I want to think about the fact that the Cambridge Dictionary defines the word parable as this a short, simple story that teaches or explains an idea, especially a moral or religious idea. When we think about parables, sometimes we talk about an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But we can all agree this morning that when Jesus taught, Jesus was the master of teaching with parables. As a matter of fact, when we turn to the book of Mark, chapter number 4, in verses 33 and 34, we informed that without a parable, did not, Jesus didn't speak. He, he always used something to explain his message to the people with whom he was uh, conversing. And so as we think about that, Jesus, Jesus does an outstanding job, and we who are preachers would do well to try to follow him, perhaps even better than we have in the past, in thinking about the application that is to be made, the illustration that is to be made. There was one occasion upon which Jesus told a parable, and he uh, uh, talked about the fact that uh, two very different men, I'm not sure where we are there Larry, should be two very different men on, the, uh, on your uh, fill in the blank. Uh, the parable was regarding two very different men. Number one was a Pharisee. And when we think about the Pharisees, we're thinking about some folks who were, who were really some of the, uh, should have been, or at least uh, popped up into your mind, some of the, uh, the, the most uh, religious people in the world. If you go to the book of Acts chapter number 26, Paul describes himself in verses 4 and 5 as a Pharisee. And notice what he says in verse number 5 in regard to the Pharisees. He says, according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. He talks about the fact that these were the most disciplined, the most uh, uh, strict in the sense of keeping God's law of anyone who was alive in his day. When Jesus said the word Pharisee, the people's ears popped up. They would have automatically recognized that he's talking about or at least painted in their mind a picture of one who was a religious person and not just a religious person, but a religious leader among religious people. When Jesus said Pharisee, the people thought in their mind about a person who at least in his own mind was to be uh, shown honor and reverence, if you will. The Pharisees, it seems, they formed a league of their own. They, they had uh, banded together in a brotherhood. Uh, they only admitted someone to being a Pharisee, according to the best that I can find, after he would, in the presence of three members of the Pharisees, do some things, one of which was to pledge himself to strict observance of the Levitical purity, the being like one of the priests, the Old Testament priests, number two, to avoid a close association with basically, and I'll just put it this way, the rabble of this world, those who were uh, not associated with good things, and number four, or three rather, that they would pledge themselves to be Scrupulous in their payment of tithes and uh, other things that they were to give. And finally, number four, that they were to be very conscientious in regard to their vows that they made. And so, for one to be a Pharisee, there were some, some great things that he had to stand before other Pharisees, at least three of them, and say, I will live my life in accordance with these rules. I will, I will make sure that everything in my life looks good, or at least I try to make it look good in my life. And so when you think about a Pharisee, we, we think about sometimes a self-righteous person, but they had good intentions to begin with. It went the wrong way. It went downhill for them in a lot of cases, but at least in the beginning, it seemed, they had some good, uh, uh, good intentions. And then in not only that, but in uh, comparison to the Pharisee here in the book of Luke chapter 18, we find that Jesus talks about a, a publican or a tax collector, depending upon which translation you're reading from. There's no real description needed here. Everybody hated the tax collectors, especially in that day because they were collecting money for the government, not just any government, the Roman government, that had invaded, as it were, uh, Israel and had taken upon themselves to be their rulers. And so they hated especially those who collected taxes for them. Everybody hated tax collectors because it seemed that they had a tendency to cheat people, to to enrich themselves uh, by the things that they collected from them. And so no uh, publican or no tax collector had a really good reputation among the people. But you know what? Jesus' point was not what others thought about these two men. In this parable that he is telling, his point is not really what did the Jews or what did the people that he's speaking to think about the Pharisee, and what did the Jews or what did the people to whom he is speaking think about the publican. You see, Jesus' point was not what others thought about them, but what these men thought about themselves. What did these men think about themselves? And so as we look at that, one of the things that I have to understand, and you have to understand, is what Jesus is telling us, what he's teaching those people then, and what he's teaching us today, is that we have, I'm not sure what's going on here, but we have, let me fill in the blank for you, we need to look inward and examine ourselves we need to look inward and examine ourselves the blanks look inward and so that's what Jesus is really getting us that's what he wants us to do now let's let's take for just a few minutes this morning and let's talk about let's think about what the pharisee thought about himself You see, Jesus reveals that to us here in this passage. What did the Pharisee think about himself? Look at verses 11 and 12 in uh, the the, uh, passage here, Luke chapter 18. Jesus tells us what this man thought. He says, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. That's what this man was thinking about this man. That's When he looked inward, that's what he saw. Now look what he does and understand what he does. The Pharisee lists some things from which he abstains. You already see that on the screen. What was it that he abstained from? He said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not an extortioner. I don't cheat people. I, 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 don't, I don't take things that are, that are not mine. You know, you can't help but wonder, and probably is so, that this man has already seen this publican who's standing over here, this tax collector who's standing over here, and the picture that he has in his mind of this man. And he says, I don't extort money from people. That's one thing. Number two, he says not only do I not extort money from other folks, but I'm not unjust. Now the word translated unjust is translated in other passages as in Luke chapter 16 verse number 10 with the word dishonest. I'm not a dishonest man. I tell the truth about who I am and what I am and what I need to do and I always tell the truth. I'm not a liar and so I'm not unjust. And then he says, not only that, but number three, I'm not an adulterer. Can't help but wonder if again, he's thinking about this poor tax collector and the life that he must have lived, the reputation that he might have had. And he may personally have known him and and known of a situation. And he said, I'm not not like these other folks who are out here who are sexually immoral, who are cheating on their wives, who are doing these things that, that everybody knows. That you shouldn't do. God, I thank you that I I'm abstaining from these things. I'm not like other people in the bad things that they do. But then not only did he talk about the bad things, he lists the bad things from which he abstained, but he also we're all out of out of sorts here for some reason. But he also talked about some of the virtues which he applied. Notice again what he says in this passage. He says, I fast twice a week. Ordinary men fasted one time a week, but the Pharisees fasted two times a week. Now God had prescribed in the Old Testament a fast during uh, at least one time of year, but the people had carried that a little farther, and the Pharisees had made it even more binding. They said, we will fast on Monday, and we will fast on Thursday. We'll fast on the second day and on the fifth day of the week. And so he says, I'm, I'm doing that. Look at me, God, what, what I am doing. Here's, here's the virtue that I have in my life. But not only does he talk about the fasting, he talks about the tithing that he does. When he talks about the tithing that he does, we're reminded of what is said in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 14, verses 22 and 23. They were to tithe of the grain, they were to tithe of the wine, they were to tithe of the oil, and they were to tithe of the flock. And yet, according to the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 42, Jesus said this, he says, Woe to you Pharisees! Remember, One of them was standing here in the temple that day, but Jesus said, Woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb. You see, what the Pharisee is saying is, I go above and beyond. God, I do more than what you commanded me to do. And so as we look at him, he has listed some things from which he abstained, and he's also listed some virtues which he applied. But I want you to pay close attention this morning to the passage again. Because the Bible says about the Pharisee who was standing by himself praying. If you notice in your Bible, you may see a little number beside that. You may have a note that's written down perhaps at the bottom or in the margin of your Bible. The translator's note says it can be translated in this way. Standing, praying to himself. This Pharisee was standing by himself and he prayed, but it can be translated standing, praying to himself. Matter of fact, in the New American Standard version of Luke chapter 18 at verse number 11, those translators translated in this way, the Pharisee stood and was praying this... To himself, God, I thank you. Now, it can be taken that he was standing there quietly, maybe even silently, praying. That would be in one way that we say it praying to himself, right? He's not, not verbally mouthing words, not saying it so that people can hear it interesting that jesus knew what he was praying but he is standing there praying to himself it can be taken in that way however it can also be taken in a different way can be taken in the in the sense that this man was praying to himself alexander mclaren in his commentary said it suggests that the prayer was less addressed to god than to himself Do you see what this man was doing? Oh yeah, he mentions God in passing, doesn't he? Oh God, I am thankful that I'm not. He mentions that, but what he's doing is he's praising himself. His prayer was not so much a prayer as it was a soliloquy to his own praise. To his own praise. Look at me. Let me challenge you. Is there anything for which this man asks of God? Are there any requests that he makes of God? He he just tells him, God, look at me, how good I am. Or he's saying it for his own self. You know, that's sort of reminiscent of what is said in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 17, isn't it? In Revelation 3, verse 17... Concerning the ones that were of Laodicea, Jesus said, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. This man was extolling what he didn't do and what he did do He was talking about himself. He was praising himself. But perhaps he was missing something. Now, this morning, compare that with what the tax collector thought of himself. Think about what the tax collector thought about himself. Look at chapter 18, verse 13. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Think about what is happening here. The Bible says in regard to this man that he was standing afar off. What does that mean? It shows us that he viewed himself as unworthy. Unworthy to draw near. Really, in looking at himself in this way, it was... His only way of getting near to God by counting himself unworthy. In Isaiah chapter 57 at verse 15, the Bible says, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the holy, high and holy places. Now watch this. And also... When you're reading the Isaiah chapter 57 at verse 15, God says, I dwell in the high and the holy places, and also... Well, where else, God, do you dwell? Continue reading there in Isaiah 57 at verse 15, And also with Him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. God says, Yes, I'm up here. I am high. I'm holy. I live here, but I also dwell. I also live with men like the publican. I live with the one who is contrite, the one who is repentant in his own heart. That's really who God dwells with. The Bible also says about this publican, this tax collector, that he. Would not lift up his eyes. Would not so much as lift up his eyes to heaven. You know, we're, we're used to, when we pray, we, we bow our head, don't we? That's the least uh, mentioned position of prayer in the Bible. The most mentioned and the common way of doing it was when a person prayed, he lifted up his eyes to God. As though having a conversation with God. But here's a man who would not even lift up his eyes. His sense of unworthiness prevented him from looking even toward God. Big difference in this Pharisee and his publican, right? Not only that, but the Bible says he beat on his breast. In the original, it's a repeated action that this man was doing. What he was doing is something like this as he is praying. He's doing this. You can just see the tension in his face. You can feel it in his arm as he is demonstrating his sorrow and remorse. The great sorrow that he has. Have you ever known someone who when they were so upset that they could not keep from just hitting themselves? Not to damage themselves. The Old Testament speaks of some who would strike the thigh because of their sadness, because of their remorse, because they had done that which is wrong. They were hitting their leg. They were beating their chest. This man is standing here, repeated action is he's praying to God. He realizes who he is and he's begging God for help. He beat on his breast. The Bible also says about him that he's praying these words, Be merciful to me, a sinner. As he's hitting himself in the chest, God be merciful to me, a sinner. The word merciful is interesting. The word mercy is used a number of times in Scriptures, isn't it? But the word that's translated merciful here is only used two times in the entire New Testament. This particular word is a word which uh, means something like this. It means to be propitious or conciliatory and conciliatory in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 at verse 17 we find the only other place this word is used Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 says uh, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect talking about Jesus so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest to the service of God you saw the word merciful that's not it so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. The word translated propitiation in Hebrews chapter 2 at verse 17 is the word that this man uses as he stands beating his breast, begging God to have mercy upon him. Literally, what he's meaning is this it means to appease the anger or wrath and restore to a friendly relationship. That's what this man is begging from God. Our sins bring upon the, on us the wrath of God according to the book of Ephesians, chapter three, uh, five, verses three through six. But this man is begging. He said, be merciful to me, a sinner. The word sinner literally means one who misses the mark. And so the tax collector is begging God to no longer be angry with him because he's missing the mark. You see, that's what he thought about himself. I'm unworthy. Why am I unworthy? I'm a sinner. What's a sinner? I'm one who God is not doing exactly what you want done. So as he's standing there, unlike the Pharisee, who's lifting up himself and saying, God, look at me. If you had a dozen of me, what would you have, God? The man is simply begging God for him to no longer be angry with him because he's missing the mark see Jesus tells the story of two very different men now let's begin to tie the ends together let me ask you a question this morning why did Jesus teach this parable why did he teach the parable look again at Luke chapter 18 at verse number nine as Jeff read for us this morning We're told literally why he taught this parable. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves. That they were righteous and treated others with contempt. He taught this for the sake of those who trusted in themselves. The word trusted is translated in other passages in the New Testament with, with some of these words. Satisfied, sure, confident, persuaded, approval. You see, Jesus was talking to people who were sure and confident in themselves. Jesus was talking to people who were persuaded by themselves that all is fine in their life. Jesus was talking to people who approved of themselves without proper concern for what God thought of them. That's who Jesus was talking to. Jesus was talking to those who were satisfied with themselves just the way they were. Do you see this Pharisee thinking about any change that he needed to make in his life? Oh no, I'm so good. God, look at me. Not only do I do what you want, I go above and beyond, God, what you want me to do. I'm not like other people. I'm a whole lot better than what other folks are. That's who I am. That's what he thought. Because he trusted in himself. Here's where the real rubber meets the road this morning, though. Look in your Bible, if you will, to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 13, verse number 5. 2 Corinthians, chapter 13, verse number 5. The Apostle Paul writes these words Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith, test yourselves. Or do, do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Now consider closely what the Apostle Paul wrote. Examine yourselves. Test yourselves. Two different words that are used there. We won't go into detail in regard to those. Examine. Test Those who trusted in themselves, such as this Pharisee, he didn't really take time to examine himself truthfully, did he? He looked at himself and said, Here's what I see in the mirror. Here's what I think. Here's what I think about me. But on the other hand, this tax collector, he had examined himself, didn't he? He knew exactly who he was and what he needed. He knew his situation wasn't good. He wasn't perfect. None of us are. Not even that Pharisee. He wasn't perfect by a long shot. Paul says, examine yourselves. This morning when you look at yourself, are you sure and confident in yourself? Or are you sure and confident of yourself in the Lord? Are you trying to make it on your own? You know, that goes two ways, doesn't it? I try to make it on my own, I can boast. Probably will fail. Or when I try to make it on my own, I can get discouraged. Because I have failed. When we examine ourselves, are we sure and confident in ourselves or in the Lord? you see the only way that the man the publican, the tax collector could have a relationship again with God was to beg his forgiveness for God to give it to him number two are you persuaded within yourself that everything is just fine or are you persuaded of such in the Lord you know it may be this morning that as you look at your life your, your life may match up with what's written in this word that's great No problem whatsoever. More power to you. Keep on going. But if we're persuaded just within ourselves that everything is alright, without anything to back it up from right here, we may need to make a change in our lives. No may need to it. We do. Are you this morning merely approving of yourself or are you being approved by God? There's a lot of folks who... Approve themselves, right? Pharisee approved himself. He thought everything was fine in dandy. and he is happy with himself. Question was, was God happy with him? Did God approve him? And by the fact that Jesus told the story, used that parable, shows God was not happy with him, did not approve him. Number four, you're satisfied with yourself. Or are you pleasing to God? Big difference in that. Pharisee was satisfied with himself, but he was not pleasing to God. Which brings us to the major question of the lesson today Who are you trusting this morning? You remember Jesus told the parable for some who trusted in themselves. This morning, who are you trusting? Like the Pharisee, are you trusting in the bad things that you leave off and the good things that you do? Trusting in yourself. Or are you like the tax collector who was trusting in the Lord and humbly submitting himself to God? Are you like him? Trusting in Him and humbly submitting yourself to the Lord. Jesus taught with parables. and He taught one a long time ago that we need to hear today. Sometimes we look around because we're church members and we say, How good I am. We need to be very careful. We need to be more like the public, don't we? Always dependent upon God. Sadly, sometimes it may be that we, we tend to be more like the Pharisee. If that's the case, we need to make a change. We have to ask ourselves the question because Paul says we are to examine ourselves. Who are we trusting? You know, our theme for this year is inward, outward, and upward. What I intend to do this year is each month we'll take One lesson that looks inward. We'll take a lesson that looks outward. And we'll look at a third lesson that looks upward. We'll do that repeating throughout the year each month. Inward. That's where we're looking today. We need to take a look at ourselves. Who are we trusting? It may be this morning that you need to place your trust in the Lord because you haven't done that before. To become a Christian, to put your Lord on in baptism... Maybe this morning that you've done that, but now you've left him out of your life, made a change, need to make a change, come back to him. Whatever the case may be, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation today, why don't you do it right now?